sisters, listen closely. Finding out he's the one can sometimes feel like traveling through a desert of uncertainty. I mean, every time you feel like you've reached an oasis, it ends up being a mirage. As your resident sister and friend, here are five common red flags that you need to steer clear away from. First up, if he's asking for your phone number straight off the bat, but not your dad's, well, that's a major red flag waving in your face. Next, if he's hitting you up with texts and calls late at night, you better believe he's not serious and chances are he won't respect your boundaries. Watch out for those put down disguised as sarcastic banters. You know, the ones that make you the butt of the joke. It's time to show him the door. And oh, if he's more interested in hearing himself talk than listening to what you have to say, girl, that's a sign you need to run in the opposite direction. And let's not forget the classic line, my ex was crazy. Yeah, right. If he's mouth-mouthing his ex left and right, chances are he's the one with the issues. And those are just the obvious red flags. Let's help you uncover what's really hiding underneath the surface with Vibe Check, the ultimate prompt card game for meaningful connections. Crafted with deep respect for Islamic traditions, Vitech goes beyond the surface, allowing you to discover the essence of your potential life partner's faith, character, and aspirations. With eight thoughtfully crafted categories and 135 thought-provoking questions, Vitech ensures a comprehensive understanding of your potential spouse, from values and ambitions to personal quirks and preferences. I mean, skip the surface-level discussions and dive straight into what truly matters. Visit our website, www.thedigitalstory.com now and take the first step towards finding your righteous partner. Your journey to marital bliss begins here. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is Mona Sheikh Omar, your producer. This week, I have a little bit of bad news and a little bit of good news. The bad news is that um, Ada got sick for a while. She wasn't able to record the narrations for this episode. Uh, She's been touring around lately and she has been not listening to my instructions. You know, I told her, now you're a voice artist. Your voice is valuable. (laughs) There's people who are waiting all over the world to hear your voice in their speakers. But alhamdulillah. She's doing fine. Just make dua for her. And so this week is the episode is not going to be narrated by her. However, she did do the interview. And so you'll still hear her amazing voice. The good news is that the show will go on. This week, we have a wonderful story. And it's narrated by a very special person. Her name is Naima Harun. If you listen to the podcast before, you know she's always been in our credits. And so... This week, I'm putting her into the spotlight. She's been producing in the background. Uh, She's been working on management. She's been doing a lot of things. And she's such a blessed addition. Which gets me to the point that this week, TDS turned two years old. We've completed two years. And subhanAllah, the amount of impact we've been able to witness from this podcast has been phenomenal. Our lives are impacted forever by the stories that we get to tell and the stories that we hear behind the scenes when we go around and we visit different places. 
people who come up to us and tell us that the, the podcast has transformed their life, we can only say, Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen, for this opportunity to be a part of the, of the messages and the love that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala shows to his people. And so, wherever you're listening to this podcast, whether in your car, on your walk, at home, some people even do it in the gym, wherever you are listening, thank you so much for supporting us. And may Allah send you barakah for being a part of this big global ummah, this big global nation. And so without further ado, I introduce uh, Naima Harun to take it away and tell us the story. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. It is your sister and friend, Naima, and you're listening to the Digital Sisterhood podcast. Have you ever had a dream that's so vivid that it almost felt too real? You go to sleep and find yourself swimming on the beaches of Bali, or maybe even walking the streets of Paris. We all have dreams, good ones, bad ones, and ones that make you rethink the way that you're living your life. But I think the most common dream we have is that we all dream about traveling the world. Maybe you have a bucket list of places you want to visit before you die. You've seen your parents save to visit Hajj, or you made plans with your friends to go to Europe after graduation. You might have even dreamed of meeting the love of your life on one of these travels. Maybe your dream is to travel the world and not chain yourself to a 9-to-5. Ibn Battuta became a traveler because of a dream. He left his hometown at 21, leaving behind an unfulfilling career and a yearning to see the world. Which he did. He traveled so much that he didn't come back to his hometown for 29 years. Our guest today is a bit of a modern Ibn Battuta herself. Okay, so I grew up between uh, Dubai and Michigan. Um, mm -hmm. We moved out here when I was like 16 to the United Arab Emirates, and I've just been kind of bouncing around ever since. Like I moved out when I was 18 to Toronto, I was at St. Mike's, which is such a funny coincidence <laughs> that you guys are based in Toronto. Mm -hmm. um, and then my sophomore year, I moved to Turkey. My junior year, I moved back to Dubai, went to AUS, like in Sharjah. And then I like spent some time in Palestine. Oh! So I've just really been <laughs> Ibn Battuta in my life since I uh, since I was 18. Oh, wow. Um, Tell me a little bit about you. Like, what were you like as a kid? What is maybe your most earliest memory? Um, honestly, I was super, super rebellious. Like I, <laughs> I think I was like the community problem. To be quite honest with you, like <laughs> not the used community to get problem. Out of this is literally. <laughs> yeah, I was always like asking like why. My mom told me she's like, you know, your first word was no, and then the second one was why. She's like, so that was like your entire childhood. Just me, her having to deal with me being like, no, why do I have to do this? No, no. And mm -hmm. she told me she's like, you know, Subhanallah, like. Um, from when I was like younger, I was very curious, like very, I don't want to say arrogant, but like borderline arrogant. Yeah. <laughs> we love a confident child, okay? We love a confident exactly. child. <laughs> At a very young age, Asma felt divided in almost every aspect of her life. She went to school in a wealthy suburb and noticed the stark contrast of her lifestyle compared to those of her classmates. This division extended to the mosque as well, where Asma went looking for a community and instead found the love of material goods. Asma was searching for Allah without knowing she was searching for Allah. I got super interested in politics at a very, very young age. Um, 
like just in terms of like justice we were like based in um the suburbs of detroit so i think like even from a younger age like we really were witnessing that juxtaposition i grew up in um a pretty like wealthy um suburb but my family and i were more on like we were renting out a a small um, condominium like in the area so i was mm. like in these like super rich schools but not necessarily having access to that like lifestyle mm -hmm. and like i you know i wore hijab at the time so yeah. there was like this like psyche developing from a very young age like oh i'm different like from both a class and a religious perspective um and kind of like trying to navigate that i, I was like very i'm gonna be very frank i was like whitewashed until i was 18 like mm -hmm. straight up i don't know if i can say that mm -hmm. that like frankly but like so many identity struggles that took me a long time. Like subhanAllah, I feel like now I understand it very well, but it was like, it was a trip because I was like going to the masjid and like people were coming with their coach or their Dooney and Burke. Like it was like not a humble mosque. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be straight up. <laughs> wow. And like having to see that, um, it pushed away a lot of the community, myself included, because like, you know, you're hearing one thing in the like halaqa and then like two seconds later, like someone's telling you how they bought like a $500 shirt. And it, it was just so crazy to me because I'm like, how can like what's happening with this like cognitive dissonance that's like so clearly happening? You end up having to like measure yourself according to like your material like accumulation. You know what I mean? It no longer is about like, OK, like my relationship to this community as like a Muslim woman to Allah, like we're here like sisters in Islam. It's like you're coming to the masjid to front, mm -hmm. which is a very like bizarre um, mm -hmm. experience. It's something you noticed right off the bat. What was your relationship with Allah as a kid like? Did did you have a perception of him? I was like very confused. I think um, I like had a lot of struggles growing up because we were learning about things more from like a cultural and like an honor perspective. Like, oh, you got to do this. Otherwise, like someone's going to talk about you or you're not going to get married or all of these things. So I wasn't actually learning about like who Allah was. That faith, of course, was always in my heart, but it became more of a like figurative, imaginative almost um, entity. Since I was like learning about Islam in the context of like, you know, how do I kind of like show up in front of the community and how do I like build like my identity and my reputation? It, it wasn't like necessarily super sincere. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I have a question. Why did your parents go to Dubai? Why did you get, why did they move to Dubai? For my family, I think it was like, cause I was still, you know, when I was 16, I was obviously living with my family. And for them, it was just like kind of witnessing that it was so difficult for them to like raise us the way they wanted. Like either we were being influenced by our super rich community or we were becoming like super white. So they were like, okay, like we, we can't navigate both of these worlds. Um, and so they were like, let's move closer to family. Let's be in a Muslim environment. Even if it's not necessarily the most perfect place, it'll still like not be necessarily like in the West. Um, mm -hmm. You can learn the language. You can be around people who like understand where you're coming from. And like actually like think about um, like faith in a way that isn't just for the sake of like that one Michigan mosque we're going to every Saturday. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like mm -hmm. it was very much Saturday school or nothing. And they mm -hmm. were like, no, 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 this is not a one day a week kind of thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, for me, especially like I was becoming like super like Susie-ish mm. and like- They said <laughs> she like, is okay. too much of an Ashley. Exactly. We got to go back to the land of his love. <laughs> But literally, like, <laughs> I was, like, asking why I couldn't be, like, prom queen. I don't know why. My dad was like, uh-uh, we're not doing this. Like, I don't have the energy for this. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. You started out a heart attack. He said, uh-uh, we gotta go back. Yeah, literally, he was like, please, hard left. Like, I can't. 
<laughs> yeah, alhamdulillah. So we moved out here. Um, and then for me, I mean, I was still really struggling. I was still so confused about everything. But I knew that like moving had really changed so many things for me, like both for the better and for the worse. But like it's just it's literally just like you and Allah when you travel. And yeah. you like, recognize that because like no one has their eyes on you. You know that whatever you do, you're doing for like either the sake of Allah or like for your own self. But there's it's like a society. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. No one's going to like tell on you. And so you're faced with like the best and worst parts of yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and so one time when we were back in Ramadan, we had been we had moved to Dubai for a year and we were back visiting Michigan. Um, and so, you know, I was reuniting with everyone. It was like the Ramadan where there was a summer. Um, so everyone's just like, you know, good vibes, especially mm -hmm. you when know, everyone calms down during that month. And so I was like in a very like meta reflective <laughs> point, just like thinking about like how much I had changed since we moved, even though it'd been just a year um, for the better and for the worse. And I just remember like feeling so grateful like that. You know, even though I had hated the fact that we were moving halfway across the world, it had been so, so good for me and it had changed uh, so much of my life in just that short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And I really think like travel is just something that if, any, if you can afford to go, it's so, so worth it because it changes you from so many different like angles. Um, and subhanAllah, I remember like, you know, it was last 10 nights, we were at Tarawih. And everyone was like, the imam was like spending a lot of time in sujood. And I just remember thinking like, okay, you know what? Now is like my time to like ask, like, what is it that I like really, really want? And so I made two du'as. And the first one is I made du'a that like, yeah, Allah, like moving across the world changed me in so many ways. And I just want, I want this pattern to keep happening. Like I want to keep being challenged and like being having to face like certain parts of myself for better, for worse, but like being able to like have the, kind of like authenticity without anyone's like eyes on me. Um, and so I made du'a that I would go to four different uh, universities for undergrad and then it ended <laughs> up happening. Like my freshman year, I went to Toronto and then my sophomore year, I went to Turkey. And my junior and senior year, I came back to the United Arab Emirates. But in between, I did like a summer semester in Palestine. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Allah said, you ask and I shall, <laughs> I shall give Literally. you. Subhanallah. Yeah. Anjad subhanAllah. And it's so wild too, because like whenever I look back at it, it's just like, you know, because we always see ourselves kind of in a harsher light. And mm -hmm. because like, because for me, like so much of the time, I kept like thinking about like, okay, like this is what I want. This is what I want to do. This is my desire, whatever. And it's like during that time, I was completely looking, overlooking like Allah's mercy and his forgiveness. Because like at that time in my life, I wasn't really that practicing. And yet, mm -hmm. like here we are, fast forward, like over 10 years later. And I don't know. It's just it's so overwhelming to really look back in hindsight and be like, wow, like that entire time when I was refusing to listen, like he was listening to me. Wow. SubhanAllah. SubhanAllah. And everybody remembers the dua that Allah accepts. And it's kind of so daunting. Like He accepted exactly what I asked him. Um, and it's such yeah. a powerful moment to, to recognize. So fast forward to your trip to Turkey. Tell me about um, <laughs> how you even ended up in Turkey. Yeah, so I was studying at Toronto and then the war in Syria broke out. This was mm. my freshman year of college. And so my parents were like, you can either like continue studying, but it's going to make it tight on the family or, you know, like you can like rethink 
where you want it, like what is it that your like academic path looks like? And like at this point, I had completely forgot about the dot. Like I was just chilling, living my life. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like going to Yorkville, eating macarons. Like, yeah, that was literally <laughs> my life at that point. Um, and you know, my family is half Turkish, so I was like, you know what? I don't really want to move back home. Like I, because I had already been living on my own for a year, and obviously, you know, I was in that like, yeah, I'm independent now. Like you mm -hmm. know what I mean? <laughs> so I wanted to like figure out what is my Turkish identity mean to me? Um, just like explore that kind of side of myself because I felt like it had been really neglected because I'd lived in a predominantly like Arab Muslim community. So that kind of side of my, my family and my life just kind of um, wasn't highlighted. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up transferring my sophomore year and there was this girl <laughs> in one of my <laughs> um, like meet and greet dorm buildings and like, you know, when she talks about it, she remembers it exactly as it is. But for me, you know, subhanAllah, like, I just remember, like, these, like, flash moments. But I do, like, so clearly remember her. And I remember being so obnoxious because I was like, oh, I really want to, like, talk to this person. And I was like, hey, my name is Esma. And she was like, hi, okay. <laughs> like, please relax. <laughs> but it was crazy because, like, we met. And then that entire year, we were, like, inseparable, like, Mm -hmm. We were always like eating together. We're going to classes together. I knew where she was. Like it was literally like 24 hours of my life was my friend. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, at the time, like we both, you know, we I had like some connection to like my Muslim identity. She had some connection, but it wasn't really like a practical or like it wasn't really something you'd see in our life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. our, we were basically both violent at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and subhanAllah, like. I don't know. It was just like it's still like till this day is the most special like friendship of my entire life. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah. every year we'd see each other because I ended up transferring out after the end of that year. Um, and like we basically in like a long distance like <laughs> friendship. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, we always make this joke that like, you know, the West it loves to like talk about these like modern love stories and it's always boy meets girl. But mm -hmm. nobody talks about like what is it like when like sister meets sister? Because mm -hmm. that is something that it's just the most incomparable relationship and like i'm so grateful like alhamdulillah to allah for even like facilitating us to meet in that way mm -hmm. um especially because like we were both struggling with so many things also from like a political point of view like so many questions about what does it mean for us to like you know have this like western identity but now be in this like eastern institution like very much we we're still stuck in that like dichotomy of thought but like mm -hmm. everything i was struggling with she was struggling with and i always like had someone to like bounce back my thoughts i was able to say everything to her because i didn't i had moved out to berlin um after i graduated i worked for a bit and then i wanted to do my master's so i moved out to berlin where she was living and like i legit like moved out there because she was living there like i wanted <laughs> to spend more time with her like <laughs> no shame um and you know i was at this like public policy program it's like very elitist very eurocentric and like mm -hmm. subhanallah like everything i wanted to do it just kept getting like thrown back in my face or like i would see like oh this isn't really working out here or this is actually wrong but i didn't have a framework because i hadn't yet actually like submitted to like the truth of islam and like to all of these things mm -hmm. so i was just trying to figure out things my own way and I was like nearing my breaking point. I was like, okay, you know what? Like this university, it's just, this program is like not it for me. Everything is so racist. Everything is like, you know, it became like politics, mm -hmm. not as like a means of worship, but like politics was the worship. Mm -hmm. And it was like a Euro European like mm -hmm. way of seeing the world. Mm -hmm. So I was just really at my wits end. 
And then one day I decided like, okay, I was like on off praying at the time. I was like, you know what? I just need to like ask Allah. Um, and she was like my only like real friend that was out there. Um, and I was like, I need to ask Allah, like, what is it that I need to do? And so I just like prayed Aisha and I randomly picked a surah from the Quran. Um, it was Surah Talaq, um, SubhanAllah. Mm. And I just started reciting it. And like, I just like felt like for the first time, I actually felt like, okay, this is something is happening. I need to like think about this. And like afterwards, like when I was in sujood, there's just like this like wave and I finished that salah and I started crying. And I had no idea what I was crying. I had no idea what surah I even read. I look up the tafsir and it says like, you know, this is the, you know, the first ayah, like ikra. And I just remember like feeling so much like embarrassment and sadness, but so much relief because I was like, wow, this is my faith. And I don't even know that this was the first like ayah revealed to the Prophet Like this is my faith that I keep like having this tug and pull with and I haven't even given it a chance. I'm like, here's Allah that like just giving me this one prayer and being like, just please wake up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I can't, I really can't explain it, but that Salah just changed everything for me. And from that point on, it was only two years ago, really. Everything that I was experiencing, everything that I was learning, I was like sharing with her. And it was so important for me because I had like nobody out there that was Muslim. Um, all of my friends that, that were Muslim, you know, like, you know, may Allah forgive all of us and guide us, but like they weren't necessarily super practicing, so they weren't necessarily super interested in what I had to say. Mm -hmm. But Allah like gave me a friend like who was there for me and supporting me as all these changes were happening, as I was talking to her about like my struggles of like wanting to come back to hijab. It was just, it was such an overwhelming time. And like she was there for me every single step of the way. And she was there for me every time I'd be like, oh, you know, but like, what are people going to think of me? Like, if I'm like, you know, dressing more modestly or like that I have to leave and I have to pray. And she would always be that like, you know what I mean? That like strong force reminding me like, you know why you're making these changes. Like, why are you so concerned with what people are thinking? Like, mm. you know, this is real. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I mean, I really, really didn't deserve that friendship. And yet Allah like gave it to me. SubhanAllah. And then in her apartment in Berlin is the first time I ever like finished reading the Quran. SubhanAllah. Wow. The first yeah. time you finished the Quran <laughs> was in her door, like in her apartment? Yeah, it was in her apartment. And it was like, what's so insane to me now is that I remember telling her like, because I had never read the Quran like mm -hmm. from front to back by the, like when I was like at that age. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was very much like a community girl. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, it's like I told her like reading the Quran and like I was telling her about all these things that I was learning. And I was like, wow, I can't believe like, but like this book has just been collecting dust. And like, mm -hmm. here I am. Like all of these questions I had, like Allah was answering them like time and time again. And I felt so much like stronger and like clear headed. And then I remember telling her like, there's this one section of the Quran. I was like, you know, I learned that it's called the Hawamim. All the surahs like start with like Hamim. Mm. Um, and it's really, really like, it's just really impacting me. And mm. we were at her house and I've been there like a million times before. Like I cannot explain to you how many times I've been there. Mm -hmm. And I look at her bookcase and there is a book that says Hamim. And then I was like, oh, what's this book? And she was like, what do you mean? I was like, you have a book that says Hamim. And we pull it out and she has this translation of the Quran that she had gotten on a trip to Pakistan that I had never seen before. Like we had never paid attention to it. And I remember both of us just looking at each other and like going completely silent because it was just such a powerful. I mean, like, of course, there's so many powerful moments and like reminders in our life. Like you can see them all around you. You see the rain, you see the clouds with like 
that one was so direct. And like my friend a couple years prior had been like to Pakistan on a random trip, had gotten this translation of the Quran that she didn't even realize was a translation of the Quran. Here I am a couple years later telling her like this section of the Quran has really impacted me. And then we both just look and it's like sitting there on her bookcase. Yo, I have, chi- I have chills. <laughs> yeah. I actually have chills right now. That is Same, so, dude. that is so intense. You know, but Allah subhanahu wa Like, you know what's like crazy, subhanAllah, because like, I, I wish I could like fully, I wish I could like transport you back in time so you could meet yeah. who I was yeah. before all this. Because I really was like, like when we talk about Allah and we talk about his mercy, like we're talking about something that we can only understand with our limited rationality. Mm-hmm. But when it goes to like how, like how much or like how impactful it's actually going to be in your life, like you don't know that. You mm-hmm. don't know what like, you know, when Allah says like, take one step towards me and I'll, you know what I mean? Come running towards you. Like that, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even so we take a, we take, I don't think we understand who Allah is. Truly, when I think about things, I don't think we fully understand um, the magnitude of his might and power and help. I don't think we really understand. Um, but there's signs always around us, you know? And then I just, ugh, I don't even, I'm speechless. <laughs> I'm actually speechless. So, like, so, so tell me about, like, what happened after that? So you guys see this, this, this the, the book... What was your conversation? Did you guys start like, did you guys start like reflecting like, yo, there's something bigger going on? Like, where did this spiral after? I mean, honestly, we both kind of were just like stunned into silence because like at that point, I had become like a lot more practicing. My friends, she still wasn't Muslim at the time, so mm-hmm. I'm sure for her it was like a different you know chain of events that were happening. But mm-hmm. we were both just like kind of looked at each other and we were like, wow, like, like who are we? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. Subhanallah, like Allah connected us like a couple years ago and like here we are now like who are we for Allah to like be putting this such like a you know what I mean Mm -hmm. direct sign in our lives um and then we just started backtracking in terms of like what it was we were doing in Berlin like all of a sudden it really like contextualized all right um what does it mean then to be like so politically active if like what we're preaching is going against what Allah is saying Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. if he is being so clear with us why are we not accepting how clear he is then Mm -hmm. with us like in the Quran and you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um so we had we started to have like a lot more like fruitful and faithful conversations and our friendship really like the dynamic did transform for the better because it became like you know two girls like you know, obviously I love her to death, but like, you know, always like just having a good time. We were like really like sisters. Like it meant so much for me to like meet her family. And it really was like a halal relationship. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. not boy meets girl, but like girlfriend, girl forever. Right. Like yeah. it was, yeah. Things just started to really change from there. Um, I ended up praying istikhara and I was like, yeah, Allah, like if I need to drop out, like just make me drop out. So I actually am a public school dropout or public policy school dropout. Respectfully. So I was leaving Respectfully. Yeah, (laughs) honestly, bro, never again, never again. Like they are lying through their teeth. (laughs) So wait, before you get into it, tell me why you decided to drop out of public school. What is it? Like you were like, was there a moment where you're like, yo, that's it. That's it. Was it a professor yeah. that said something to you? Was it an essay you had to read or a reading that you read? You're like, yo, today's the day I'm dropping today's out. And the day that led you to yeah. your to, to your istiqara, essentially. Tell me about that. So it was actually right after, it was like after the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, I was just getting really fed up with my school because it was so performative. I was like, I know you guys are all fake. Like, 
you're all just i don't know i was like really just frustrated with everything and then i remember there was this um black student like with me in my program who's like such a kind nice person he had like inter intervened um with a german girl that was like getting harassed on the street mm-hmm. um and the cops had like pulled out guns on him in berlin and my school literally did nothing like and they were like chest out doing nothing like i remember going to the administration being like yo your student your international student that you guys brought here all about like i don't know your type of diversity tolerance like we're gonna make the world a better place like bs here he is who literally had guns pulled on him what are you gonna do and they were like you know what like we can't really get involved with the police and i was like wow. excuse me wow. like why am i here like we're literally out here trying to make the world a more just place and at the first instance of injustice where you have an opportunity to directly intervene y'all are like no i'm out and then i was like okay i'm actually like i'm just clowning right now like Allah has told me who are the types of people i need to be learning with like what it is that actually makes someone strong like makes them stand up to injustice in the right way and here i am being like no i actually want to like learn about it from like you know what i mean Mm. these like harvard professors like no and then i went home and i was like this is it. Like I either continue in this path so like everyone can be like, wow, you know, Asmat graduated. Now she's working this NGO when I know it's like all fake mm-hmm. or I can just like take a leap of faith through the way that Allah has like told me to like praise Tikhara and like just have tawakkul truly for the right reasons um, and then see what happens from there. And like I took that choice and even though there were so many people around me that were like, what are people going to say? You're going to be a dropout. Like, you're so old now. I was like 25 at the time, which is just so funny to think about oh now. Because I was like, I was not old. No, relax. you really were not. <laughs> this old is almost t- timeline. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> have you ever found yourself in a situation where how little knowledge you have about Islam became so clear to you and you found yourself not knowing where to start, a bit overwhelmed and maybe full of shame? Or maybe you missed the feeling of iman and warmth when you were in a space where you learned and talked about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As the digital sisterhood, we know how transformational those spaces can be, especially when they are created by women and for women. So this week, we've partnered up with Rabata to tell you about the wonderful courses they have lined up this semester in their online academic program, Ribat. Choose from over 50 courses in Islamic sciences such as tafsir, aqidah, Sira, Hadith, as well as learning the Arabic language and Tajweed. Fall registration starts August 15th. Sign up and rejuvenate your relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and His Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Visit ribat.rabata.org. That's R-I-B-A-A-T dot R-A-B-A-T-A dot org to register today. Asma was back to searching. She was disappointed by the way her university handled the situation and realized their values were no longer aligned. She knew that leaving might disappoint her family, but she could no longer stay in an environment that was hypocritical. She had been searching for equality and justice in all the wrong places. So she decided to take some time to get to know Al-Hakim. Your dropout. What did Asma do next? I dropped out. I just decided I wanted to spend as much time with my friend as I possibly could. I was, um, alhamdulillah, like I actually dropped out right before Ramadan. So my Ramadan was completely just like binging, kalam, bilging, yaqeen, like really trying to learn about like 
okay, what does Islam actually say? Like, here I am constantly saying, like, I love the Prophet Sallallahu but I don't know anything about him, so I was like, let me, let me learn, like, mm. who he is so I can actually, like, be like him. Um, and so I spent, like, that semester that I dropped out just, like, learning about Islam, learning about my faith. Um, and I had, like, I'm so grateful that Allah gave me that break, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. that pause. And I was sharing everything at this time, like, with my friend, like, everything that like really struck me all of these coincidences that were happening all of these like you know these signs that like Allah really gives you um I was sharing it all with her and she was like always always by my side um and there was like this one I remember it was Eid mm-hmm. and we were biking it's so crazy honestly like I haven't like said this out loud and now I'm hearing it I'm like wow like like you said earlier we really don't know who Allah is mm-hmm. and we don't know like how he guides who he wills mm-hmm. it's subhanAllah but we were like biking for our dinner and I was listening to this podcast from Qalam and like I was in my like subhanAllah like I knew Islam was it but I was still having really tough um, like a really tough time because I still wanted to live my like you know life my western life mm-hmm. and I kept having all these questions and like the podcast would literally answer it I'd be like yeah but I can do this and then the podcast would be like but then the people who do this and I was like and then I changed my thought and it would answer again <laughs> And I just remember being so, like, so terrified because I was like, this is, like, truly, like, I need to get wow. it together. And we were biking to Eid dinner. And at the time, I started, like, shaking and and the sky just, like, split open. Like, it started raining like it has never rained before in Berlin. I was freaking out. My friend told me, like, it looked like I lost, like, the color in my face. Like, I was true. I uh, Yeah, just subhanAllah. And... It was crazy because like at that time, as soon as that was happening, I felt like something like pulling out of me. Mm-hmm. And I and it was it was like the worst feeling I've ever felt in my life. And I literally was like, this is like this is how it's going to be if I don't get it together. Like this is how it's going to feel like for my soul to leave my body. <gasps> if I don't actually. Yeah, it was like all these things are passing through my head. That is so. And, so you were. So wait, you were biking and then you were listening to a podcast. You were having a conversation with yourself about like. What was the conversation about that, that, the, that the podcast was answering? It was like about how to actually like conduct your behavior. Mm. It was like that there are actually consequences to what you do. Because I was like thinking about, I wasn't, I didn't wear hijab at the time. So I was like really thinking about like, oh yeah, you know what? I can like still do what I need to do and like not wear hijab and like still be like fine. You know? Yeah, and good then Muslim. The, mm-hmm. Yeah, good Muslim. And then the podcast was saying like, and, you know, and then there are people who like continuously make excuses for themselves, like despite wow. the amount of signs they get. It was just everything was like one to one. And then, you know, something I was thinking about in terms of like, you know, boy girl dynamics. And I was like, yeah, you know, whatever, like this is fine. And then it would be like these. This is how like the, the wives of the prophet saw and I'm like conducting themselves. And it was like the complete opposite. Wow. Like, of, yeah. So, so it was you, like me clowning. <laughs> so you were, you were, it's like, a, it was like you were being, a, you were, to, you were being told, no, don't think yeah. this way, you know? Wow. And then, and then, and then the sky split and it started yeah, raining. It just started like raining. And I just kept thinking about like, you know, that, that I, uh, I believe it's in Surah Turad where, you know, Allah talks about like the people like where, when it starts raining and thundering and they cover their ears but like you know after a storm like you're gonna see some sun but you just gotta like sit through the storm for a little bit and that just like felt like my storm like i was at not a really great place in my life but i like knew that okay you know what i Allah's already shown me the way and now i just got to take the steps like towards that direction 
and like this is as clear a sign as ever that i need to really like reroute wow that's why i'm getting chill the chill is shocking (laughs) i'm shook just wow Wait, I just need a moment to reflect on this. I know. I'm actually like getting like I need to recollect myself. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just thinking about like this, the Surah Rod and the 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 storm. That is such a beautiful. Ah, I don't even know what to say. You know, I mean, you know, Allah said it all. I swear, like Allah said it all in the Quran. It's just that, like, you know. I always think about this like if you're lost in the forest or if I'm lost in the forest there's not going to be a day of my life where I'm like you know what I'm just going to like wing it I don't need to look at the map today mm-hmm. but that's how we treat the Quran like that's how we treat our lives it's like why don't we actually engage like Allah is literally like speaking to us you know he sent down his word he wants us to accept the guidance and like subhanAllah we like treat it as if it's like a la carte like Islam is a buffet but it's yeah. like no like the Quran is the, the map of your heart. Like oh. you open that up and it's just oh. gonna take you places. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. The Quran is a map of our hearts. I I don't know what to say because that's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, at that point I started to become very interested in like Sharia from a political perspective. Like mm. that you can't actually live life in a completely secular fashion. Um, I was reading a lot, learning a lot more. After I dropped out, I actually applied for a program that I'm currently in in Malaysia, um, an Islamic like uh, university. And I was like, yeah, you know what? I want to like learn about both perspectives because Islam is a balance. And right now we're only like learning about like secular rationality. So I was looking for a political science program that kind of looked at the Islamization of knowledge um, through a liberal and an Islamic lens. Mm-hmm. And I looked at the program and it was like exactly what I was looking for. And alhamdulillah, like now I'm really learning about how like the center of like politics, like it needs to be Allah. Like it can't be, it can't be democracy. It can't be like liberty. It can't be freedom. It can't be any of these things. It literally has to be like knowing that Allah knows best. And like he is the one that like decides what's the balance and what's true and what's light and like, when you submit to that and you allow your your heart to like humble yourself to that reality, you're able to see the like you're able actually to see what's happening rather than like trying to make up our own like political theories as we go along, which is like literally Western philosophy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our, our, our ideals are right and wrong, you know, and Allah SWT has already legislated for us. So it's just easy. And so you're living in Malaysia. What was it like going from Berlin, a very secular environment, to Malaysia, obviously being a predominantly Muslim country? Was it like night and day, black and white? Yeah. <laughs> it was a vibe. I was so <laughs> happy. <laughs> Honestly, alhamdulillah, like I, it was so, so nice. I mean, first of all, I really, really love Malaysia. Obviously, like every place has its like ups and downs, but just mm-hmm. being able to like say salam mm-hmm. or like, you know, after a library break, like go to the masjid to pray. Mm-hmm. It's so relieving because like you already know that everyone around you, even though everyone is struggling, everyone has their own problems. Like you're all looking at the world with the same framework. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. like you're all aligned <laughs> but yeah it was definitely like a a complete like 180 flip from berlin like mm-hmm. i was living in like the atheist like capital of the world mm-hmm. everyone was just like hard drugs constantly so like all of a sudden being like you know here's the food drive like we're having food drives for like students that um you know what i mean like can't afford like meals yeah. and like everyone is a part of it and 
it's like there's this like kindness that's con constantly around you because like people are seeing are doing things for the sake of Allah which is so different because mm -hmm. they're not just doing it just to, like be good people so if you like say like yeah I want to I want to like start this like new I don't know whatever political or idea or like club and it's like completely against like what Allah has decreed like people look at you like crazy you know what I mean mm -hmm. like they have that reverence for Allah that was just so 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 refreshing oh I can I can already imagine it you know the, the that's sometimes one of some of the best benefits of living in a Muslim country uh so you're living in Malaysia you are studying Sharia and you're enjoying it and you're I guess you're finding a, a semblance of peace you've been looking for. And your friend is back in Berlin. So what was that relationship like long distance? Was it hard? Did you guys still speak to each other often? Um, were you still sharing, you know, some of your findings, you know? Because I know you, you were very passionate about it at that time. <laughs> I started sharing with her, like, about all these, like, where these, like, European philosophies come from and how, like, they stem in materialism, blah, blah, blah. All that was, like, happening. Um, and, like, during that time, I put on hijab. And she was, like, so happy for me. She was over the moon. We had, like, bought these, like, <laughs> friendship rings. And I, like, wore it on the first day that I, like, wore hijab publicly. And I, like, sent her a picture. And she's like, yeah, I saw the ring. And I don't know. It was, it was mm. such a beautiful mm -hmm. um, experience, like, having that support. Because, like, putting on hijab was so difficult for me. Like, I, I made dua for nine months before, like, I actually did it, you know? Because, like... I, I just like went from like a complete like Dubai party girl to like mm -hmm. hijabi moving to Malaysia. Like it was it such wasn't. an intense. Like. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. <laughs> so, I mean, she was like having kind of like having her own realizations. Like, I think that's kind of the beauty of Islam, right? Is that when when someone like tries their best because we all fall short but like when you just try your best like be sincere for the sake of Allah at the end of the day like what we're trying to communicate is Allah's truth mm. so when it like sticks to someone's heart like that's Allah's truth sticking mm. you know mm -hmm. so so many of these like things I could see were like like gears were starting to like move in in her mind kind of like about her political work um, about how like faithless berlin is i don't know mm. if you've been out to berlin but Never. it's like it's a very it's a very beautiful like city in terms of like land but like people are just very lost and it's like a very dark place mm -hmm. if you have any sort of like self-awareness to be quite honest mm -hmm. um so i think like for her like a lot of these kind of changes were happening like her kind of like realizing um her own like european upbringing um, her own relationship with Allah, seeing a lot of these signs all of a sudden, because like Allah's signs are always there. It's just a matter of like when we see them, you know? Mm -hmm. So she was like having her own experiences. And it's always different when you like firsthand experience, you know what I mean? And then one day I'm, you know, I'm asleep. And I was, it was really weird because the day before I was like thinking about like how much of my life has changed. Like here I am in like Malaysia, like learning about, you know, Islam and really reflecting about like how much of my timeline has changed just because of like a couple of small things I did like really showing me like how merciful Allah is and I had I went to sleep and I had this dream it was me her and a couple of our friends and we were back in Berlin and we were like up to our old antics and I remember thinking my dream I was like no 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 like we cannot go back to this life like I know the darkness of that world I know how like sad and depressed I was um at so many moments where everyone was like just live your life and like all these things are happening in my dream and I was like no 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 like this can't be happening and I get pulled away from her and I know like so much time has passed in the dream but me and her were like not together 
And so I come back to Berlin or wherever she was and I'm looking for her. I'm like, I need to like see what's happening. Like, is she okay? And there's this door and the door is just like flooded with light. And I'm like, oh, I wonder who's behind that door. And I like, remember I opened it and she was there and she was wearing hijab and she was standing by another one of my friends. And I was like, wow. oh my God, is this you? And she was like, salam. And then I woke up and I just checked my phone. She was like, Asma, you know, I, I just took my shahada in my living room. It was just me and Allah. Like I didn't, I didn't want to wait to go to a masjid. I did it and I'm a Muslim now. Wow. Allah yeah, Akbar. I'm wow. I'm I'm floored. Floored. Yeah. Floored just crazy. And uh, so wow, I'm just I uh, just give me a minute. <laughs> I'm like tearing up. <laughs> oh subhanallah. I know. It is. It's it's a beautiful it's, crazy. it's just I'm at Allah writes our stories. I mean she was actually the person who introduced me to this podcast, actually. Oh really? Is, yeah. <laughs> it was like very shortly after she had taken her shahada, she <gasps> sent me the Gift of Faith episode. Shut up. Um, You're lying. Yeah. <laughs> You're lying. And she was like, think, no, that like that's how I came to know like digital sisterhood because she sent it to me and then we were both crying and I was like, this is crazy. And she was like, this reminds me so much of like my own journey, especially because she had been having like some, because like her first Ramadan is coming up. So she's going to be spending it alone. And she was telling me, you know, like, she's like, I wish I had become Muslim last year. Then we could have, like, spent Ramadan together. Um, but then she was like, you know what? I also think there's, like, a reason why I'm spending it on my own. And, like, that that episode gave yeah. her so much, like, strength. Oh, my God. I'm going to cry. Yeah. I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> because in the story, he talks about how she was alone um, for a period of time, you know, um, at, just after she had become Muslim. And so... But she talked about how that was uh, it had changed the game for her because she it, it strengthened her faith and Subhanallah there is uh, I'm gonna I'm, I need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> there's like but, patterns like yeah, subhanallah, subhanallah there's like patterns of goodness that just like ripple out yeah and like you know Mashallah like you guys are rippling out like yeah. it's reaching people in Dubai it's reaching people in Berlin like we're out here listening being like <laughs> yes this is the energy <laughs> no, it truly is a gift. Of faith, though, right? When people are able to tell you exactly how Allah Subhanahu wa Taala helped them, you know, or um, how they were able to look at their situation like hindsight and say, "Oh, all of these things happened because it needed to lead me to this point," you know, and then you're grateful for those moments, um, and they're so important because it gives perspective to a person who might be at the beginning of their journey, right, or might be experiencing the same thing they just talked about they had passed, and it gives some strength to keep going forward and so yes yeah, it's just it's so powerful so your your friend texts you and she tells you that she's become muslim and what was what was that like <laughs> you're in i'm Yo, assuming I'm you're just... in malaysia you're assuming you're in malaysia and she's in berlin and i can imagine this is the biggest moment you could like that could ever happen tell me about that like how happy how happy did it make you did you see her soon after like what happened yo i was just bawling like i haven't <laughs> seen her since i was just crying like Aww. i couldn't believe it and i just like kept thinking like wow like i don't know all these years like if someone had ever told me like 
you know what, Asma, like you're going to go back to hijab. You're going to become practicing. Like Islam is going to be like the most important thing in your life. I'd be like, yeah, whatever. Like mm. you're a clown. Like that's not going to happen. So <laughs> And like it happened. And like here also like Allah like granted me another gift that I wasn't deserving after everything already. And like, you know, the closest person in my life, you know, he guided her back to Islam. It's like, it's just crazy. Like it's really like the... Like, there's no love story in my life that will ever top this. Like, sorry, future husband. Like, it's not. <laughs> it's done. Our sincere apologies. <laughs> you know, I always say the greatest love story is one of the greatest love. Well, the second um, great love story after the love story between, I guess, I would say Allah and his servant is, I guess, the love that uh, between people that love each other for Allah's sake, you know? People yeah. that come together and you for see it sake. like transform a relationship. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I saw how our friendship changed. It went from like you know homies to like you know what I mean, ride mm-hmm. or die to like you know what? No, ride and die because mm-hmm. like now we actually want to be like friends inshallah forever. Like subhanallah, yeah. it changes the dynamic completely. Absolutely. You know it's so crazy that you bring this up because I recently had a friend, you know, that I love for the sake of Allah. We met in the masjid. You know. It's a very good friend of mine, and there's something that I've been wanting to do for a very long time, personally in my life. Like, there's something I wanted to do for a very long time. And uh, one day, she called me. We were hanging out, actually, as friends, and we were talking about, you know, this is other, like, I was telling her, I want to do this, and but I can't, I have to buy this object, and it's so expensive, and this, and the third. Um, and it was in an, obviously, I was doing it because I wanted to do something, you know, uh, I want to do something beneficial. And... But I was like, I don't know how I'm gonna get there. And the next day, she's like, Oh, we're gonna we're gonna go get you that thing that you need. And I said, Excuse me? I said, No, oh my not. gosh. She's like, No, we're gonna go get it. I said, Fab, it's it's like it costs like two thousand dollars this. I can't go get it. I can't, I can't get it. She said, I don't care. <laughs> Cause I'm gonna get it for you. And I just started crying. I said, Why would you want to? She's like, Because you're doing something good and you know, like I, I just remember thinking like she was getting something for me so I could do something beneficial for Allah's sake. But even more so like I was at awe of the friendship that I had with her that she could so much so give me, uh, which I, I still consider a large sum- amount of money uh, just so I could do that thing. And I was just at awe of like, you know, subhanAllah, like there is no, there is no better relationship that a person can have in this dunya than a relationship that's based on the love of Allah. And so, so true. I was thinking when I came home with this object and I was just thinking to myself, I said, I remember just saying to myself, there is not a bigger blessing that Allah can give his servant than a righteous friend. Um, and I just, I like, it's, it's, it's the most beautiful and vital relationship, you know, and, and it has to be something that we make dua for, you know, because, you know, <laughs> you know, it's it's it, it's hard to tell who you know is, is going to be that for you, you know. And Allah knows who that righteous friend is, you know. He knows, He knows who they are. And just as my beginning in my relationship, like coming close to Allah, I asked Allah for righteous friends, you know. And I, I can't tell you how much they've helped me and um, uh, carved <laughs> my my character. You know what I'm saying? Like. Whenever people tell me, oh, Adar, you seem so nice. I mean, if you think I'm dope, you seem to be my friend. Like, <laughs> that's what I always say. Like, wallahi, if you think I'm an ounce of interesting or nice or this or whatever, wallahi, you should see my friends. You should see my companions. You know what I'm saying? Because 
I'm a reflection of them. You know, our, our friends yeah. are a reflection of us. You know, and that's why the Prophet talked about the importance of those that you consider your friends. Because you are indeed upon, you know, the religion, the character, the behavior of your friend. So we shouldn't use it loosely. You know, we shouldn't. And so when you yeah. have a friend that loves Allah and they inspire you in that pursuit, Wallahi, like, it's like, I, I, it's like, I, <laughs> like, what other way was I living? You know, and it's just, it's the most powerful thing. And it's the most, I'm so, like, grateful for all of the incredible, like, friendships I've made. And I'm not saying they're all perfect. They're just all people looking for Allah. You know, and yeah, that is just it. That's just the requirement. You know, it's sincere, <laughs> you know, pursuit. And so this is baseline. I, yeah, that is, the, that is the requirements. Are you are you also are you, you know, are you on the same path as I am? You know, and we can figure it out. We can take breaks on this journey. We can give each other water. We can, you know, suffer together, <laughs> you know, but like at least I got you. Yeah. yeah i mean it makes so much sense actually i think it's just it's so interesting how like you know shaitan works to kind of like get mm -hmm. at how we how our mind works but like if if two people are going in different directions like you're not going to be looking at the same map or mm -hmm. you're not going to like be in the same crowd but like for some reason we extend that to our lives so easily and it's like no like you said like when you gotta like be struggling and stopping on the path having some water together but like you gotta have the same destination yeah absolutely you know what i mean yeah absolutely and I always find that the best travelers also are the people that have this mentality of no man left behind. You know? Yeah. When you see a friend who might be derailing from the path, but you, you, you don't want to leave them behind. You know, like they're like, listen, listen to me, just trust me. <laughs> We're just but we'll get there. And like I admire the people that, you know, you know, fight fiercely for their friends to stay on yeah, the right path like, that, right? most people are actually rare yeah like if they're they're so rare to find like for yeah. me like before all of this happened i remember it was like during when snapchat was super popular and i was like posting like everything i was up to in dubai and like mm -hmm. you know one of my really good friends and like still to this day like we're so we became closer actually after everything like changed with me mm -hmm. but she like messaged me and she's like yo you know what like we're all struggling but like the least you can do just like don't post it and at that time, I was so mad. I was oh, like, she's wow. not letting me live my life. Like, well, I was just like, I was so She's a hater. And she's a hater. <laughs> she's literally like, let me live. Like, I'm out so here like flexing. Love. Like, I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> yeah. And like a couple years later, I like messaged her and I was like, you know what? You were so right. Like, thank you so much for like looking out for me, even when I wasn't really looking out for myself. Like, mm -hmm. you need those people. Yeah. Because sometimes, can I tell you, when you're in a state of sin, right, and somebody were to to sh like it's like if you're in a state of for example if you're in darkness right and you've been in darkness for a long time if somebody comes into the darkness and, and puts a flashlight in, in, in front of you it burns mm -hmm. you know so even true. though the light is better than the darkness it still hurts to look at the light it still hurts you know even yeah. though we know the light is better for us and so when we're in states of sin it's hard to recognize light as something good when you're feeling you know all of this uh ah please turn it off moment but mm -hmm. there's also, you can't forget the person that came and brought the light, you know, and, 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 and is looking for you. Bars. They went back, yo, they came, they came back, <laughs> they came back for you, you know, they could have left you there, you know? <laughs> Imagine yourself in a dire situation and you're in a hole somewhere, like a well, like how Yusuf fell in a well, a dark well. You could have, can you imagine the fear of just being in that darkness? 
And if you're there long enough, you get comfortable. You stay there. You become the darkness. And then when you find that, that person that saves you, flashes light, somebody down there, you're relieved. But obviously, like, you, you can't think of it. You might be disoriented at first, you know, because you've accepted it. But somebody went back and came for you. You know, yeah. and, and sometimes it, I know it hurts when your, your friend tells you, hey, maybe we shouldn't do this. Or, or comes says, yo, like, don't do this. It hurts. But it, it, it doesn't take away that the person came back for you to tell you, hey, you might feel lost, but I, I came back to, to bring you back. So yeah. we should feel love for that person. We'd be, we should be like, you know, like you would if somebody found you in a well. How would you feel if somebody found you in a well? <laughs> Grateful. <laughs> You know, you would you probably pay you probably create a trust fund for their kids. You know what I'm saying? They didn't leave you down there. And so like that's what sometimes the truth can feel, but it's it doesn't change as they saved your life. You know, not to be dramatic, but you know, like in this well situation, it saved your life. And it and, and, and in this case, if you're sinning and you're in darkness and somebody were to show you the truth, then they are saving your life. Saving your soul. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I just want people to understand, like, the people that come and tell you, you know, like, hey, and, and they tell you in a, in a manner that's beautiful. And they tell you with loving words, don't shun that person. You should, that is a yeah. righteous friend. You found her. There she is. And I don't know. I just, it was something I had to learn too, Asma. Like, when, you, when you're doing something wrong and somebody you know, tells you, hey, and you feel shame, you know, like you feel upset. Oh, somebody told you, and sometimes it's just hard. But now, like, recognizing the other side of it, I'm so grateful for that friend because that's a real friend. But uh, I wanted to ask you, why do you think Allah wrote for you to meet each other? Oh, boy. <laughs> I mean, I hope it's so we can, like, meet him one day, inshallah, like, in a... You know, with our books in our right hand, that's like ultimately what it is. I th- I think also to be quite like I think, I mean, she is like she is a light. Honestly, she's such a blessing, so kind, so caring. Like one of the people who really like um, is very reflective. Like when she comes into a room, you 100% like you know that she's there, but she like doesn't necessarily always have to be the center of attention. Mm. Very observant, um, and those type of people like they really just come because they got a golden heart and like. Even before she came Muslim, like she was, I don't know. I mean, like I'm, <laughs> I feel like I'm writing a love note right now. But, like honestly, I really am. She, she, like for my birthday, um, this is before she became Muslim. Like the most beautiful present anyone has ever given me. She bought me um, a tree in Palestine. Oh. She was like, yeah. She was like, I want this to be like a sadaqajaria. And I was like, man, if this is how this woman is before nah. she comes to Islam. Nah. And I mean, I always tell her like all the time, like for me, my whole life, like my arrogance just always had me in a push and pull. I was always running away from Islam and like just trying to do whatever I wanted. But like for her, it was like she would learn something. She would go quiet. She would think about it. She would move forward like such a humble, beautiful soul. And like seriously, like I am honestly like the luckiest person that Allah has granted me her as my best friend, my sister in this life and the next, inshallah. 
um inshallah we all get to meet in person one day mm, i really hope <laughs> because, so i'm betting on yeah, it i really hope so <laughs> <laughs> oh my god allah mubarak you, uh, i just love your relationship and 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 what you guys have experienced together it's so noble and beautiful honestly what would you say because like obviously you and your friend have such an incredible relationship why do you think uh, relationships with women are important especially in his dean oh girl mm-hmm. <laughs> where to begin <laughs> Muslim girl energy is unmatched like mm. I'm telling you it is the most magical thing this dunya can offer because the thing about women is that like when they come together mm. unstoppable unstoppable like, <laughs> unstoppable and when you're when you're around like a group of righteous women like they're raising the caliber so high so high because like so high because they want you to get there and then that is the energy they attract mm-hmm. so I don't know I think it's like I think being friends with women, like, it's not just about, like, you know, girl power, feminism, or all of these kind of, like, modern ideas of why, like, women need each other. Yes, of course, there's that. But, like, when you have women who, like, know about, like, what their role is as women and their relationship to Allah because of that position, like, you are around the most merciful but the most strong people, and you see that balance so clearly. Mm. Like, I have never seen the balance of, like, strength, intelligence, but also, like, so much mercy and care. Like, I have seen it in Muslim women who, like, are on their end or on their deen. Like, they don't care about anything about Allah because, mm-hmm. like, they don't compromise. There's no such thing as, like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm going to, like, a, a corner here. Like, uh-uh. If anything, like, you know, I've because I've, I've been there. Like, I've, like, sometimes been around women who are just like they're just like mashallah like powerhouses and mm-hmm. i'll like suggest something and they'll just like look at me like i'm absolutely crazy because like what i've just said like jeopardizes their relationship to allah and they're like uh-uh like don't bring that in here and i'm like yeah yeah i needed to hear that <laughs> period says you right uh <laughs> well like you know what women women are just uh like they're so incredible and when they come together and they they devote themselves to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and it's just it's almost as if like there's nothing else <laughs> that you need. You know what I mean? And it's just you're so I'm inspired by them all the time. Even just by looking at them, you know, by they dress. You know, you'll always hear times where people say, Oh, why did you wear hijab? Oh, because I saw those naqabi once. You know? <laughs> and she carried herself with confidence. And I just could not, like, I was like, I want to be her. You know, women are so, they're just, like, especially women, Muslim women are such trendsetters. They're such, like, leaders, you know? And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is, a, this is the best religion, of course. It only it turns us into leaders. You know what I'm saying? And obviously our religion is completely strange. Um, but I, I just love the way that we carry it. Asma's story is about sisterhood about bonds that exceed borders like countries and religions, and it's about love. Love for the sake of Allah. I think having that love for the sake of Allah is important in all relationships. When you say that you love someone, that love might be conditional in some ways. But when you say that you love someone for the sake of Allah, the only condition to that love is Allah. So to all that are listening, I hope that you can tell your asma that you love them for the sake of Allah. This episode was brought to you by Beautiful Light Studios. Special thanks to Naima Harun, our producer. 
for narrating this episode. Our host is Adar Mahmoud. Thank you so much for all you do, Adar. This time I get to thank you. You have truly transformed my life and the love and empathy that you exist with is what draws us all to the digital sisterhood. My name is Manisha Omar. I'm your senior producer. Our recording engineer is Jonathan Lilo. Jonathan with the tissues. He is, this was recorded at MH Studios Toronto. And uh, on the Dubai side, as Esma was in Dubai, we have Vishbi. Thank you for helping us. He was our tape sinker. Our project manager is Yasmin Mahmoud and our marketing extraordinaire is Sosan Abdullahi. Thank you so much for tuning in for this episode. And we'll see you next week in your ears, in your speakers, telling you a good story.